Let us pray. Startle us, O God, with your love, your truth, your inspiration, your joy, your good news. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight, for you, O Lord, are our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. About ten years ago, I stumbled into an accidental experience I will never forget. I was in Cappadocia, which is in southern Turkey. This is the biblical stomping grounds of the Apostle Paul. And to give you a a visual, a lot of people think Cappadocia was the place where they filmed Luke Skywalker's home planet in Star Wars. I was about as far from my comfort zone as I have ever been. I was traveling by myself, had no cell phone reception. I was navigating my rental car by maps and road signs I mostly could not read. And I was sleeping in hotel rooms that were carved out of cave dwellings. One morning I was wandering through a little village and something made me stick my head into a tiny basement level pottery shop. It was dark and damp and piled with pots and bowls and cups from the floor all the way to the ceiling. The shop owner appeared after a moment and greeted me with an ear-to-ear smile. And though he spoke not a word of English and I didn't speak a word of Turkish, he eagerly showed me around the shop. Before I knew what was happening, he produced an artist's smock and he wrapped it around me and tied it around my back and he sat me down at his potter's wheel. And though I had never done this before, With plenty of help and guidance and, yes, patience, he helped me to make a small, simple pot. And then with a twinkle in his eye, he set my pot near the oven where he would fire it for the shop, and he handed me a completed one just like it. Every time I see that little pot on my shelf at home, I remember the old potter, his welcoming grin, his persuasive way of showing me around the store, his draping that smock around me before I could think twice about it, and his encouraging me at the potter's wheel with little nudges of correction along the way. We made something together. I've been lucky enough to have done some adventurous things in my life, some of them much more exciting than making a pot, but that day was a day I will never forget. Like many of us, I like to be in control of what's going on in my life. I like to know what I'm doing and what's going on around me and what to expect. For some reason on that morning, I let that old Turkish potter lead the way. I accepted his guidance and his teaching, and I did something outside of my comfort zone, and I found that I was capable of a small and wonderful thing I didn't know I could do. Now, I'm sure that this 
strong memory I have of that morning is no small part of my love for today's story, in which God is described as a potter molding clay. Like my story, this one is also about possibility. It's about what God might do with us if we are willing to follow. But it is also just Jeremiah's rare gift as a prophet that he paints a terrific picture. Come, he writes. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, continues Jeremiah, and there he was, working at his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and so he reworked it into another vessel as seemed good to him. And then the word of the Lord came to me. Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done? In this story, Israel has been a difficult and disobedient people. God has given them everything that they need, and yet they have wandered away, worshiping other gods and mistreating one another. And their world is falling apart. And here God says to them, I want to stick with you. I want to give you another chance. I want to see what you are really capable of. Turn your lives around. This is the question raised of anyone who reads this story. In any time or any place. Is it possible that God can take us, flawed and broken and entrenched in our old ways as we are, and mold us into something good, something with beauty, possibility, something with hope and capabilities we hadn't imagined? Can we follow God? Can we go places we haven't been before? Or are we so entrenched in our own control, our own familiar ways of doing things, that we miss the possibilities that are out there? The Knox staff read this story together this week at our staff meeting. Their first reaction was to talk about something else. They wanted to debate the character of God. The passage says God is like a potter, which is to say that God has the power to create and the power to destroy, to mold us into something, and when there's a need to let things fall off the wheel and start over again. Why does God let that happen? Why does it say that God might choose to destroy Israel? Why does it say God is devising a plan against them? Isn't God supposed to love us? In some ways, that question is anachronistic. It can be explained through context. This story was written down at a time when religion was understood in very polarizing insider and outsider kinds of terms. It was a deeply violent and risky and uncertain world in ways that most of us can hardly understand. 
Gods were expected to be portrayed as powerful enough to make things happen. Otherwise, you would find another god who could. And the kind of free will that we enjoy debating in 21st century America isn't really what this story is all about. But this story does mention choices. And there is a message here that transcends history and culture. This isn't just a story about an Old Testament God, a God of judgment versus a New Testament God of grace. That's a false distinction. This is the same God that Jesus describes when he talks in Matthew 25 about how one day God will separate people one from another as God separates sheep from goats. Some of us, says Jesus, have fed the hungry, have given drink to the thirsty, have healed the sick and visited prisoners, and others have not. There are sheep in this world, says Jesus, and there are goats. And Jesus speaks the same message as Jeremiah, choices matter in this world, and consequences are real. So does that mean that God punishes bad choices? No, I don't believe that. For one thing, I think our bad choices have ways of creating consequences all on their own. What I do believe is that God cares about good choices in, and is at least willing to discourage the bad ones. And God does this for a very practical reason. When we ignore God's plan, when we ignore God, when we make selfish or fearful choices that allow for oppression and injustice and hatred, those choices hurt all of us. Even when we're on the winning side of bad choices, even when we're on the winning side of injustice, the existence of suffering diminishes humanity for all of us. So consequences matter in life. And consequences matter not because God is a tyrannical parent, but because God wants to raise a whole world of good and healthy children. Were you ever in the car as a child, headed someplace really good, Kings Island, Florida, and suddenly mom or dad had to pull over the car and turn around and say to you, if you don't watch your language and keep your hands to yourself, I am going to... I'm going to turn this car around. When we're older, you're laughing because you know that mom and dad were never really going to turn the car around. <laughs> More importantly, though, they didn't want to. No parent wants to take away good things from their children. But sometimes we hold out consequences, and sometimes we even deliver upon them out of love, 
And we do this because we want our children to grow into adults who know how to make good choices. Choices that will give them and other people a full and rich life among people who love them and care about each other. That's what we want for children. In light of that description, I think this story about the potter becomes less about consequences and more about possibilities. Faith in God is not about fear of what might happen to me. It's about awe and wonderment about what might be possible for me. And that's what I hope that you're thinking about in your own life and as we share together, as we gather and celebrate who we are as a community. This is an amazing community of faith with a rich history and a bright future. In a world where many traditional churches are closing, we are active and growing. We are growing quickly enough to keep up with the number of people who must die and leave us. And yet we are growing in a way that is measured enough to remember who they helped us to become. We have growing partnerships with Presbyterian churches from neighborhoods that are much different than our own so that we can broaden our perspectives and learn what life is like for other people. Friends from Cranston Memorial and Third Presbyterian will spend time with us today. We have a beautiful home, and we've taken good care of it. We've taken good care of it so that we can welcome people in and so that we have the capacity to look beyond it and help others. We are not a congregation that needs to fear consequences, but we are certainly one that needs to get excited about possibilities. Will we accept our good fortune and do nothing about it? Or will we ask what visions we could follow and what risks we could take to see what God really wants from us? What does God want our church to be? What are you willing to contribute of yourself to make it happen? These are questions of possibility. And they start in all kinds of simple ways. This week I was reminded of Broadway United Methodist Church. It's an old congregation like Knox. It's in Indianapolis where I grew up. Broadway Church sits on the edge of affluent and struggling neighborhoods a bit outside of downtown. Like Knox, Broadway has a ministry that helps folks who come in the door for help with food or rent or utilities. Jana and I provide that kind of emergency assistance thanks to your generosity. A number of years ago, the folks at Broadway had an idea. They started to wonder if they could do more for their neighborhood if they stopped focusing on the needs people came expressing and started focusing instead on the assets they had. What were their gifts? What were they good at? 
So they started asking a different set of questions of people who showed up at their food pantry. Instead of just asking what they needed, they started by asking people about themselves. Whether folks took care of children or elders, whether they did it with their family or as part of a job or to help out a neighbor. They asked whether people could put up drywall or fix a toaster or if they knew how to drive a car. Do you play a musical instrument, they asked. Do you garden? And each interviewer in the food pantry asked three more questions at the end of the survey. One, what three things do you do well enough that you could teach them to someone else? Two, what three things would you like to learn that you don't already know? And finally, who is going to go with you along the way? As people named folks and experienced a church who treated them like somebody, they began to sit up and you could see light come into their eyes. And people remembered that they weren't alone. This way of thinking began to change Broadway United Methodist Church. Once an enclave of commuters, former residents of the neighborhood who drove in like strangers to the old church, they got to know their neighbors again and to appreciate the gifts that were there. They discovered amazing capacities right outside their front door where before they had only seen poverty. Along the way, they moved past simply handing out bags of groceries and got into the business of transforming lives, including their own. To say it another way, they stopped simply maintaining their church as an institution or fearing that they might lose it, and they rediscovered the work of ministry, the good news of Jesus Christ. It's one story about one church that took a small chance and then took another one and then took another one after that. This is faith. Consequences are real in life. But what faith is really about is possibilities. Faith isn't about fear of the past or the present. It's about hope for the future. What might God do with us if we were willing to be transformed. The world sends so many messages about the fear of what you might lose. You don't need to hear that message here. Faith is about possibility. What has God been preparing us for? I hope that question will be on your hearts today as we give thanks for our gifts and we celebrate the life that we share. Amen.